102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff and Ed Show. Thanks so very much, big voice. Welcome to 1027 ESPN. I'm Ed Clements. Jeff is ill. He'll be back on Monday as we start. Well, we're already starting our Super Bowl coverage here on 1027 ESPN, but we'll do it in earnest beginning on Monday. Tonight at the Moody Center. <coughs> Not going to a basketball game. I'm going to hear uh, the Eagles and Steely Dan. Let me tell you what. One of the great lineups from the Moody Center. One of the great lineups there is Steely Dan and uh, uh, the Eagles, two of my favorite groups. And I'm just, and songs that suck Friday, these songs don't suck. So, Garrett, jack that baby up. I seen your picture. Your name in lots of love. They don't have all the original members in the band as they don't in the Eagles either. There's been deaths out there, but is this great or is this great? This is amazing. This is a great song from the 70s. This thing holds up today, and this is a great part. Listen to this part right now. Listen to this right now. That's Steely Dan. Can't wait to see them tonight. Used to drive around Lake Brownwood, listen to this song all the time. Welcome back to the show. 1027 ESPN. Longhorn basketball tomorrow on television. Texas versus Ra, Ra, TCU. I believe it's a 1 o'clock tip time from uh, Fort Worth, TCU. Even though they hadn't set the line yet, they're going to be like a, a slight favorite. Boy, Rodney Terry and crew need to win. And then 3 o'clock, we just heard from our friend Greg Eklund, Houston at Kansas City. Now I just learned, I talked about, and Greg said that the Chiefs are going to Las Vegas on Sunday, which I'm going, geez, that's early to go, but it's NFL mandated because they have all these Mickey Mouse nights and yada da 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 And my friend Scotty Sayers, who you can hear me with on Sports Saturday tomorrow on Kelby Jazz, says they're staying out at Lake Las Vegas away from the Strip. Kansas City staying away from the Strip, which still, is a good move. Still, though. Come it's on. still in Vegas, but it's a long hike from the Strip to Lake Las Vegas. So that's a good move by Andy Reid and crew to do that. Because I can't imagine spending a week in Las Vegas. I would be spending a week in Vegas, and the next week I'd be checking into the Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gambling and drinking and eating big. It's like going going to New Orleans. New Orleans. i gotta got to admit something. Oh, dry January is over, my oh, friend. It's come over, on, man. I know. I succumbed to the temptation today at the golf course and had a bloody mary. What well, is February? So it's February. It's February. So the dry it lasted a whole month and a day with no drinking. But I'm gonna drink tonight at the Moody Center. <laughs> <laughs> I drank uh, this morning at uh, Municipal Golf Course. So uh, Greg and I talked about the future of Kansas and other schools with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the uh, Big 12, going to the SEC. And I mentioned about I think there's going to be a restructuring in the, in the coming years. And today, this happened earlier today, the SEC 
and the Big Ten delivered a coded read-between-the-lines message for college athletics. And this is from a story from Dennis Dodge from CBS Sports. Essentially, Dennis says, the two most powerful conferences on the planet told everyone else to step aside. They're going to figure out the future of college athletics themselves. They're done waiting for congressional intervention or the NCAA. The future of college athletics will be at least influenced, but probably dictated by the SEC and the Big Ten. Would you not agree with that, Garrett? I think they are the 800-pound gorillas that's going to happen. There's no Pac-12 anymore. The ACC is not in the same. Pac-12 is is pretty much gone. It's gone. ACC, even though there's some good schools in there with some very influential colleges, they can't match the SEC and the Big Ten. Nowhere close. Nowhere close. Uh, The SEC and the Big Ten have the most money, talent, recruiting, facilities and all the brands. Just look at the brands in the SEC, football-wise. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas, Auburn, go down the list. Big Ten, Big Ten, good Lord, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, now Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. Uh, What it's all about is, according to Dennis Dodd, eliminating the consternation about an endless conga line of litigation regarding NIL, yada-da-da-da-da. In essence, Dennis writes, the two leagues are aiming to remodel what is left of the collegiate model. Don't like it? Well, you don't have to. If NCAA membership doesn't agree to their reforms, meaning the SEC and the Big Ten, they have the leverage to take their 34 teams and stage their own national championship. The networks and the markets itself have told them that it's possible and its path, which SE Commissioner Greg Stanky has already hinted, is in the past. Uh, that means a velvet hammer, according to Dennis Dodds, leading to a chaotic breakaway of the two leagues. That is an option. I think what's going to happen, that the SEC and the Big Ten, needless to say what Dennis just said, will dictate the NCAA and you will have in the neighborhood of 60 to 64 to 68 teams in their football model. We're just talking football now because football pays the bills in their football football model. And no more of this NCAA Mickey Mouse crap. But I'm sorry, that's what I call it, the crap that the NCAA does to try to dictate the ridiculousness of the NCAA. We saw that with the recent thing with Florida State talking about uh, improper NIL, this week's deal with the improper improper thing with Tennessee and NIL. Hey, that's all. It's wild, wild west. And if they're going to go get Tennessee and Florida State, they can go to College Station. They can come here to Austin. They can go to Los Angeles and find far greater wows about money than you can uh, there. So interesting that I think that's what's going to happen in the coming years you're going to see a restructuring of college football that there's going to be the haves and the haves nots And I think you're going to see a schedule. I think you're going to have maybe four or five, four major conferences. So I think the day will come again when Texas will play a Baylor, a Tech, a TCU in college football. I think that's going to happen. We may have more of a regional base where Texas won't have to play in Columbia, South Carolina, or they won't have to play uh, well, wherever, you're going to have uh, regional regional games with the, with, the, with 
the, the, the powerhouses. I can see it happening, but I don't see the, the money value if Texas plays Baylor again, if they can play Georgia multiple times over and over again. <clears throat> Good point. Good point. And in this current deal, Texas would get Georgia one every three years, maybe. Da, 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 da. Michigan. So Yeah, yeah. So, but we go to a 12-team playoff. 12-team playoff next year. And which I think is going to be a whole bunch of fun. I argued this with our buddy Jason Dick for years. I know a lot of people out there think, oh, it's not a good model, this 12 team, because, oh, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to have a lot of bad teams. No, you're not going to have any bad teams in the top 12. You may, this, this past year was very unique to me because I don't think, even though Michigan won, I don't think there was a clear cut team like a Georgia was last year. Is not a clear-cut dominating team because I think with the NIL, it's gonna it's gonna kick out a lot of teams because just think about it, a lot of schools cannot c- compete with the NIL with the Georgias and the Texas. Well, even Georgia can't compete. Well, Georgia can because of Georgia, but Texas is gonna I think should be in the final twelve every stinking year. They should be. They should be with the resources here and the money. And you talk about other schools. Baylor's going to have a tough time, and TCU will have a tough time because they're private, smaller schools. Somebody said, what about Tech to me today? I said, well, Tech. Tech has a lot of money. Tech has a lot of fracking oil money. Not not the F word. I'm talking about frackers sure. and oil and gas. They've got a lot of money out there. I think they could still be a player in the NIL game. So we will see what we will see. But that's interesting today what – the Big Ten and the SEC said they're just sending, sending, you know, throwing the gauntlet down. Next year, there's a new kid on the block with the demise of the Pac-12 and with the ACC still in flux. I still think Florida State's coming to the, to the SEC. I think you can sort of expand, 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 and I still think you could have some movement with some teams going to the Big Ten. Well, uh, let's talk about the NFL once again because uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the Dan Quinn situation. Dan Quinn uh, being hired away and just uh, there are no more coaches' openings. Uh, Dan Quinn going to the Washington Commanders. I like Dan Quinn. <clears throat> it's going to be an uphill battle for Dan Quinn because that's just a, a terrible franchise right now. They've got new ownership, so uh, possibly uh, it, could, it could work for Dan Quinn. There is an, another interesting piece in CBS uh, talking about who got, who really made the best, who got a grade A. And I think the best coaching hire out there this year, and I know a lot of people don't like the guy because he cheats, he did cheat this year, was Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers. Yeah. I think Harbaugh is a natural. I think the Chargers, even though they're in a division with Kansas City and that very, very difficult AFC, I think they're going to succeed. Because I really think Harbaugh it is and was a great NFL coach. Took his took San Francisco to the Super Bowl. Watch out for the for the Los Angeles Chargers. He has a top ten uh, a quarterback in Herbert. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and they have and they have Allen and Eckler and an okay defense, but it's going to be interesting for sure. Well, a lot of people think Dan Quinn is a great move to the. To the Washington Commanders, I like Quinn. They're going to have a big defense. They need help on offense. They really need help on offense. A lot of people are saying that the Falcons hire of Raheem Morris, the young 
guy who was at uh, the L.A. Chargers is is a great hire. I don't know if it's going to be a great hire. He's, he was a former NFL coach for a while. I thought Vrabel would be great for Atlanta. I thought Belichick would be great for uh, Atlanta, but they decided to go with Raheem Morris. So, uh, interesting to see. The Panthers and Dave Canales. Eh, eh. Garrett, let me just say, you could be the head coach of the Panthers. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't, could, want, I don't I, want that job. I, but. I, I could be the head coach. It's, it's, it's a dead-end deal, I think, for Canales. Now, the Patriots, strange deal. To me, they stayed within the family. Uh, they love Gerard Mayo, who's a former linebacker. He's a lot of things to like about this guy. He said something very important at his opening news conference when he said, we want inclusion, we want different voices, we want all that sort of stuff. We want the good things to come in from the players and everybody, which that's the one thing about Bill Belichick. He was the boss. There's nothing about being the boss, but did he listen to other voices? I don't think so. There's a reason Tom Brady left, and I think it was Bill Belichick because he was tired of his, you know what, tired of his domineering, tired of dictating everything. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Gerard Mayo can do with the Patriots. I still think the Patriots need a quarterback. Raiders hired Antonio Pierce, who had a, you know, he beat Kansas City on Christmas Day. Uh, I think the Raiders are looking for what the Texans have accomplished with uh, Demeco Ryans because he comes in, changes the culture, has a really good quarterback, great quarterback, and C.J. Shroud, and boom, they they turn that quickly. I think Antonio Pierce and the Raiders want to do that because they, they've got to find a quarterback, and that's why I brought up Justin Fields earlier uh, because I think if, a, if the Bears get Caleb Williams as they're expected to, I think it's a natural to go get a Justin Fields or a top-level quarterback because I think they're a quarterback away. The Titans hired Brian Callahan. Huh? Uh, uh, not much. I like Vrabel. I was surprised Vrabel got fired. The Seahawks hired Mike McDaniel from the Ravens staff. This dude is good. Uh, this dude is good, and this dude is going to be the youngest head coach in the NFL at 36. There's going to be a huge culture change in, in that deal. I'm, I'm a big fan of Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll is older. He was much like Belichick. Everything started with him and ended with him. So I think he's going to be an interesting coach. And uh, Seattle already has a pretty good defense, solid, solid defensive team. He's got to hire... He's got to hire some offensive help for that team. I'm still not sold on Geno Smith. I know our friend Brandon, who's not here today, he would fight me over it, but I'm just not a big fan of Geno Smith. Geno Smith is not going to lead you to the promised land, so they've got to find a, a, a quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, John Lynch, the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. John Lynch was a great safety for the Denver Broncos, won Super Bowls with Denver. He acknowledged today that, yep, they tried to get Tom Brady for this season, and they told Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, of course, had a super year last year, leading them to the playoffs, almost had his arm separated from his body in the loss to Philadelphia. But John Lynch finally acknowledged today on a podcast that they approached Tom Brady to join the San Francisco 49ers, and they told they told Brock Purdy, hey, Brock, we're going to talk to Tom Brady about being quarterback. And Brock Purdy allegedly or apparently said, 
I understand he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. That just makes you wonder how cool would it have been, Garrett, if Tom Brady would have gone home and played for the San Francisco 49ers. He would have won three more Super Bowls, at least. With that defense and, and all those offensive weapons. If he was a quarterback oh. this week, a week from Sunday, I would change my pick and I would I would more than likely go with Brady. Oh, yeah. Because Brock Purdy has been a sensational surprise this year. Brock Purdy is still Brock Purdy. And I thought Greg Eklund, our friend from Kansas City, you can hear that on our podcast. Greg Eklund made a great point that Kansas City has already faced Josh Allen in a playoff game, beat him, and they faced Lamar Jackson in a playoff game, beat him. And Tua. And Tua beat him. They're not scared of Brock Purdy. They're scared of McCaffrey. They're not scared of Brock Purdy. And Kittle. And, and, and Kittle. Kittle's good and Debo's good, but from a quarterback perspective, they have been through the gauntlet with with quarterbacks for opposing teams, and I thought that was an excellent point. But I would have loved to have seen Tom Brady play for the San Francisco 49ers this year. I mean, he, he got he got uh, the house sent to him, I think money-wise, I think for Fox, right? Yeah. $340 million? $37 million a year, I believe it's. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He's got that, and as we heard, I think y'all played it, Earlier this week, his appearance on the McAfee show. Right. He wants back in the game anywhere he can. He knows he's older, body going south. <clears throat> his next step is be in the in the Fox booth. Hate it for Greg Olson, but I think he's really he excited. He's so good. Greg Olson is so good. And I still contend Greg Olson should be on that Thursday night broadcast with Al Michaels because Kirk Herbstreet is doing too much. It's too much for Kirk Herbstreet to do the Thursday night game, go to his kids' Friday night football game, go to Saturday morning, wherever game day is, and get on that plane. And They'd love it. It's a great deal. You know what I mean? But it is so much. I think Greg Olson would be perfect to be an analyst uh, for Amazon Prime. Or, hey, you know, they're set with Monday night football with Joe Buck and Troy. They're set with Tony Romo and Jimmy Nance. And uh, now they're set with Kevin Burkhart and Tom Brady, but uh, Olsen needs to be a marquee guy someplace because he's that good. And I think it would be a natural with Al Michaels. If they keep Al Michaels next year, they may bring a whole new team into that. So just think about that, sports fans, how San Francisco would have looked, would have looked, uh, with uh, Tom Brady as their as their quarterback. That would have been outstanding. There is some news, uh, other news from the NFL before we go to break. And by the way, around 5.30, we're going to visit with our friend Mark Brooks, uh, 1996 PGA champion and longtime uh, Longhorn uh, golfer. We'll talk to him. Uh, We'll talk to him. There's some stories about uh, Buffalo and Diggs, about the future of Diggs and Buffalo. I don't know what to think about it. Uh, he's uncertain. He said today on ESPN, Stefan Diggs, he's uncertain what his future holds. I like Stefan Diggs. Uh, it was his first comment since the Bills were ousted from uh, the playoffs. He says, I feel like I take it day to day. Obviously, there's a lot of changes going on, a lot of things going on. I can't really put the carriage before the horse. You know what I'm saying? But I got a great offseason in front of me to put a lot of work in and build. 
around what we got and what we're doing. Garrett, do you think he'll be with the Buffalo Bills next year? Stuff. I days? am not sure. He hates losing, um, and they keep losing. Yeah, in the playoffs, but I don't know where he wants to go. I don't picture him anywhere else right now. Yeah, but I could see him going somewhere else. I, I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. I, I can't. I can see him going someplace else too because I don't think he felt like he was a big part of this offense this year. And I, I'm. I still scratch my head about Buffalo. Because Buffalo, at times, the way they ran the ball beautifully this year, Josh Allen, I don't think they went to digs enough. Uh, he only had three catches for 21 yards in the loss to Kansas City. Wow. His least productive performance of the season. And that's the fault of the offensive coaches because you got to go with your – they ran the ball well that day, but you got to go with Stephon Diggs. And the last pass by Josh Allen in the end zone, you know, and it looked like. And see, that's how close this whole NFL is. Think back to that game. Buffalo had the ball. They're driving in the closing seconds. They're driving, and it looks like well, they're on the 25-yard line, and then they 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 don't convert. They don't get in the end zones. That's how close Kansas City was to not being the Super Bowl. You look back last week, Kansas City, quite frankly, was extremely fortunate by the miscues of Zay Flowers, the two miscues, and the passing of Lamar Jackson late with the triple coverage. But that's how close the edge is. And look at San Francisco, too. San Francisco, the the, the win over, over Green Bay, how close that was. They had to drive the length of the field to win that game. And then last week, if they don't get a, a pass off the head of a Detroit Lion defender, they, they're not going to score. And how close it is. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, big news this week from the PGA, a big a big money allotment, a big infusion of cash to the PGA Tour. We'll get that from our friend Mark Brooks, the 1996 PGA champion, champion and multiple Longhorn All-American. Plus, we'll look at the leaderboard of the AT&T, the old Bing Crosby in Monterey Peninsula. And it's Bing Crosby... Well, we'll talk about this with Mark Brooks about what Bing Crosby would think about this year's format. This is 1027 ESPN. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements. Afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN. tell you why a great song that I will hear tonight at the Moody Center as Steely Dan and the Eagles will be in con- listen to this part right here great song welcome back to the show I'm at Clements Jeff is ill he'll be back on Monday Garrett's with me uh, it's going to be the Eagles and Steely Dan tonight at the Moody Center uh, a highly anticipated concert. Uh, They'll be uh, in Austin tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, A guy who will be at the concert tonight, he won't be with the Eagles, but he's a longtime Eagles guy. Longtime Longhorn golfer, All-American winner of the 1996 PGA Championship. Uh, One of our great, great guys that's always on the 15th Club Golf Show on KLBJ on Saturdays, Mark Brooks. Welcome back to the show, and how are you, Kimo Sabi? Thank you, Ed. Just uh, heading back to get cleaned up to go to the concert. Oh, I know. I'm excited. Eagles... 
And Steely Dan, two of my favorite groups of all time. What about you? Uh, I put them right up there. Right up there with the Doobie Brothers. Oh, the, yeah, and the Doobie Brothers were here. Did you go to the Doobie Brothers last Sunday? I did not. I didn't either because it would have, it was on during the football game, the second football game, but I heard it was a great concert. Let's talk a little golf. I want to start out with something that happened on the Live Tour today. I don't know if you've seen the scores from the Live Tour. Have you seen them? No, but I saw Joaquin Neiman was 9-under through 11. Well, he finished at 12-under. Joaquin Neiman of Chile shot a 59 today in Mexico, and he leads the lift. He shot a 59 today, Mark. That's incredible. And that that also is a sight when people say, well, they're probably playing some pitch and putt down there in Mexico. That That's where the – I'm sure it had a bunch of names over the years, but the Mayakoba course is a great Norman golf course. And the tour played there, I guess, probably close to 12 years or, or longer. So I know no one shot 59 there on the PGA Tour. Well, Joaquin Neiman, Neiman has a five-shot lead. He shot 59. He's at minus 12. Patrick Reed shot 64 today. He's at minus 7. Sergio Garcia of Austin had a nice start. He shot a 6-under par 65. And fellow Spaniard John Rahm shot a 5-under uh, 66 as the Live Tour got underway today in their Mickey Mouse 54-hole event where you don't know where people are playing. <laughs> you know, I, I I love this leaderboard, but I just I just don't like what they do. I just don't like their, their format. I don't know. It's just me. Now, on the PGA Tour, they're playing in Pebble Beach at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And currently, two are tied for the lead. Thomas Dietrich is at minus 11, as is Ludwig Haberg. Uh, of Sweden, the former Texas Tech Red Raider. Those are at minus 11. Scotty Scheffler is playing the 18th right now at Pebble Beach, and he's one stroke back. Patrick Cantley also is at minus 10. Justin Thomas is at minus 8. And Long- Longhorn Bo Hostler leads a group at minus 8. Nice for Bo Hostler. That's a pretty good leaderboard right there uh, with young guys, Dietrich and Hallberg leader, but Scotty Scheffler, Cantley, and Justin Thomas right behind. No, it's a great leaderboard. Uh, no, no surprise. This is a signature event, so they have 80 players, and theoretic, theoretically, uh, these are the guys that have played the best over, let's say, the last 12 months. Uh, in particular, some of the guys have gotten in on their most recent play of the last few weeks, even. There, there's a handful of guys, I think five guys are going to get into these signature events on these little, I'm going to call them mini qualifiers, mini qualifiers that are going to happen between these $20 million events. So no surprise there, Pebble. You know, Ed, the big story out there, besides it's a signature event, field's been cut in half from a traditional AT&T, Pebble Beach, you know, Bean Crosby, Clambake, the famous Pro-Am. It's a new deal for them, but the big story is going to be the weather on Sunday, so they may be greeted with some uh, lovely weather come Sunday. What would Bing Crosby think of this new format? Because he started this tournament with the PGA Tour, but a lot of his Hollywood buddies. Uh, what do you think Bing was, would think about this this format? I think he would be about as confused as the rest of us about what's going on in the world of professional golf, to be honest. Uh, cra- cra- crazy times. You know, you, you haven't mentioned it yet, but the Tour signed a, an agreement with a group led by the Boston Red Sox slash Fenway Sports Group. They signed that a couple of days ago. And it's uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, a commitment of up to like $3 billion. And uh, the rest of that story is the Saudi thing, Saudi saga continues. No, no deal yet. 
no deal yet, but ultimately, and you talk, we talk a lot about it on the 15th Club, which will be on tomorrow at 5 o'clock on KLBJ. Ultimately, what is to gain with this big infusion of the $3 billion uh, to the PGA Tour? Well, all we can do is speculate. I'm going to say, from what I've read, what I've gathered, and what was announced, I'm going to, nearly half of that money is going to be distributed in some form to, in an in equity, or let's call it some kind of shares, you know, some form of a stock share to players. Mm -hmm. So that's when you, you hear these players say, well, the, the players are going to own the tour now. Well, the tour was valued around somewhere between around $12 billion. So, you know, if you did the math, 10 or 10, 10 to $12 billion, it's probably around 10% that uh, they're going to allow the players to own and they're going to distribute. Are you ready for this, Ed? Okay, I'm ready. $900 million will be distributed to players in one form, one way or another this year. Followed by an additional six hundred billion dollars in twenty twenty five. So that's that's where half the money's gonna gonna go. And now what are they gonna do with the other one and a half billion in commitment? My guess is it's a wonderful backstop. I don't see them running out and buying a bunch of things or making any wild investments uh, coming out of the box. There's gonna be a lot of assessments. They'll probably throw a little bit of cash at the broadcast, you know, trying to make these more friendly to fans. And we're going to see what happens to the rest of the money. But I, it's a, I would like to say it's an underpinning of the tour in, ca in case they lose or continue to lose, let's just say, a few sponsors. They could handle losing a few sponsors while they're in this transition period. Now, let me ask you this, Mark, and Mark Brooks is with us, a former PGA champion. How do they determine who gets the dough, all this money? Is it, is it this year's performance? Is it three years? Is it five years' performance? How do they determine who gets the big bucks? Well, the, ver the verbiage that's gone out so far is it's going to be based on career accomplishments, uh, recent accomplishments, and you know, they've used the term future because we know at least $600 billion is going to be doled out in 2025. There's also a vesting period that's going to be attached. So let's say they gave Ed Clements $100 million for his career achievements. Ed would have to probably stay exempt for, you know, some period of time. Maybe it's three years, four years. And for, for you to be able to vest, you know, 100% of your $100 million, I think it's pretty fair to say and safe to say whatever Tiger Woods is awarded or, you know, given in this deal, he will probably already be vested. That would be my guess. But everybody else, uh, the rank and file, the Peter Malnati's of the world, if they get, let's say, $50,000 worth of stock, he may have to stay exempt for another three or four years before he actually realizes, you know, gets best fully in that amount. That, that's my wild guess at this point. What does this mean for the former players like the older guys, like a Ben Crenshaw, Mark Brooks, Jack Nicholas? What does it does it mean anything to you and what you your your pension is from the PGA Tour, Mark? I don't mean to get in your business, but what do you expect? Well, our business gets pretty public, although it's usually wrong when they guess. I'm going to say a Jack Nicklaus, I would hope a Lee Trevino, 
I mean, good Lord, give Arnold Palmer's estate something. And those guys would be beyond fully vested. I think the term generational player is going to probably come into play. And you could, you know, you could use whatever word you want. That word's appropriate. I think they'll figure out a way to funnel some of this ownership to those guys. You know, Gary Player. I just named like the big four. Yeah. And then it's going to get it's going to get tough, Ed. Where you know Johnny Miller is he a generational player? Mm, he might be. Uh, I don't know where they're going to draw the line, but uh, I think you're going to see a little bit of money goes to those type of players that they're going to who, however, they're going to deem them or consider them generational. And the rest of us, I'm going to explain to you how that goes. Thanks for coming, and thanks. I'm glad you were here. <laughs> now, listen. You won a major. You had the most starts of anybody in the history of the PGA Tour. Surely they'll throw a little cash your way, Mark Brooks. No, sir. Not not a chance. Uh, unless the the older guys as a group got loud enough that they figured out to throw everybody a bone. I don't see it happening uh, under the current scenario. Uh, no no details have been released. Uh I think you can, our buddy Brandon Chambly, he threw something out there on X, formerly Twitter, today that's uh, probably worth a little quick read. And that's kind of his take. And I would say I echo the same same sentiment that I don't know how we do it. Um, but it's just, uh, it, it would be bizarre. And I'm not going to pick on him because he's on the board, but I'll pick on him. You know, it's, it's pretty hard to swallow that a, you know, a player like a Peter Malnati, who's been a you know fringe player, and then you know he he's he's a person. He said it himself: the best I've ever finished is 86th on the FedEx list or a money list. It's hard to swallow that a Peter Malnati could own even one 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 millionth of the PGA Tour, or one one billionth, and Lee Trevino, who's still alive and, and entertaining people and growing the game, would would have nothing. It mm. makes zero sense yeah. to me. Mark Brooks is with us, a former PGA champion and multi-year Longhorn All-American. Today at the golf course, I played Muni this morning with the guys, and I got stopped there getting a breakfast taco. And we talked talked to a guy about this infusion of cash. But he says, bottom line, Ed, when are we going to see John Rahm and Sergio and DeChambeau and Kepka playing against Scotty and Jordan and Justin Thomas? When are the, when are the two groups going to get together? Your thoughts on that? That will be a while, in my opinion. Hmm. I think I think there there's enough there there's way more than enough guys left on the PGA Tour that didn't go maybe they weren't even offered anything but that you know feel like they've stayed uh, loyal to the tour it's going to be hell to pay if they try to figure out how to bring those guys back without significant penalties and suspensions or something some form of punishment I know Roy McIlroy's you know, gotten in the headlines again saying, no, they need to let them back. There's, you know, everybody ought to just shake hands and kumbaya. There will not be any kumbaya in the near future, in my opinion. Now, I will tell you, I'll just finish with this, Ed, on this subject, my part. The reason they're throwing this equity at these players, it's for two reasons. One is retention, and that would lead you to believe that a deal with Liv is not imminent or the piss. And the other is to reward the guys that stayed and reward their loyalty. And I think, you know, I get it. I mean, it's that part is understandable. But when you get a, an infusion of $3 billion that's supposed to, you know, 
underpin your tour and you turn around and hand half of that money out to current players, man, you know, can, can I get a loan from them? I mean, maybe there's some small print in there that, you know, we they could actually recall some of that cash if they needed it down the line. Yeah. Because an, a full-on war is going to happen if they don't do a deal with Liv. You know that. It's coming. Yeah. Those guys are not going away. So... We're for goodness, it'll, it'll be a full-on war. And for goodness sakes, Liv, one of their new players is that Caleb Surratt of Tennessee. He's a sophomore at Tennessee, and he's leaving. He left school, and now he's playing for Liv. It's kind of gotten crazy to me. They're taking unproven people and just snatching them uh, from college golf. It's it's unbelievable what Greg Norman and those guys are doing and giving these young yeah, guys big money. Yeah, he's 19 years old. Now, closer to home, we know for a fact, <laughs> I won't quote him on it, but we know we know 99.9% uh, uh, truthfully that the Pearson Cootie, the Cooties, Pearson yeah. and Parker Cootie, were both offered pretty handsome deals. Yeah. You know, just whatever, a year and a half ago, and they both turned it down, and of course, they both have tour cards and are playing the PGA Tour. Yeah. It's wild. But, uh, no, I mean, this Caleb Surratt, he's 19 years old. I don't know when he turns 20, but very young. Um, we'll see. You know, he, I don't have, a, have a, any idea, Ed, what they offered him, but I'm going to guess at least $5 million or more wow. up front, and then he probably gets to keep whatever he makes. Incredible. Hey, as, I know you got to go, but as we were talking, no, I'm good. Scotty, Scotty Scheffler birdied number 18 at Pebble Beach. It's a three-way tie at the top of the Pebble Beach. Uh, Thomas Dietrich who played at Illinois from, uh, he's from Germany, I think. Uh, Dietrich Ludwig Eberg from Texas Tech is at minus 11. Scotty Shuffler is at minus 11. And Patrick Cantlay is at minus 10. The bad weather's coming, but you're that's a really, really, really good leaderboard. No, it's an awesome leaderboard. It'd, it'd be fun to watch uh, Mr. Auberg and Scotty go at it. They're both tall, tall, you know, lanky guys that, uh, man, they can play golf. And I have no clue... Uh, uh, on the live tour today, Joaquin Neiman of Chile shot a 59. I got no. I guess they're going to be on the CW. See, that's a bad thing about live. It's a Mickey Mouse network, and I'm not sure what time they're going to be on and how long. And they they'll be wearing shorts, and it's a shotgun start. It's just like playing in the, you know, some tournament at Muni. It just makes me mad. So hey, I'll let you go, but have a good time at the the concert tonight. Are you going to be with us tomorrow on the 15th Club on KLBJ? Well, I'm going to the Texas TCU basketball game, so you well, may have to do a call in. Well, lot, I'll give you a report. Lati da, lati da, going up to your hometown of Fort. Ought to be a good, good basketball game. To me, it's almost a must win for the Longhorns tomorrow. It is. I think it's a one o'clock tip off. Yeah. And I, I plan on being there. Um, you know, and I'll be sitting near some of our good friends, right behind the bench. Okay. So I'll be, I'll be screaming. I'll look for you on television. Thank you for the visit. I hope to see you tonight at the concert. Enjoy the concert. But thank you for your insight, and we will talk soon. You got it. Well, All right. Check. You better look look up in the boxes. I'll be up there. I'll look for you in the big boxes. Okay. Thank you, Mark. See you later. Bye-bye. Mark Brooks, former PGA champion, a multi-year Longhorn All-American. I hate what he said about it's going to be a, a while before the leagues merge, PGA Tour and the Live. I hate that because I miss seeing, and I like Sergio Garcia. I don't like it that he's on live, but everybody's got, you know, make a buck. But golly, the tours need to get together again. On live tour today, Joaquin Neiman of, 
of Chile. Shot a 59 today. He leads by five over Patrick Reed, who shot 64. Austin resident Sergio Garcia shot a 65. And in his first live tournament, John Rahm shot a 66. And on the PGA Tour, as I just said, three share the lead at Pebble. Thomas Dietrich, Ludwig Eiberg, Eiberg, or Auberg, is from Tech. Scotty Scheffler, the Longhorns, at minus 11. Uh, Patrick Cantley at minus 10. Bo Hostler having a really good tournament. Bo Hostler, the Longhorn, is at minus 8. Three shots off the pace. we got to take a break after that. Final comments on the show. I'm Ed Clement. Scarrett's with me. Jeff will be back on Monday. We'll be have, back with more on 1027 ESPN. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements, afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN. everybody. I was They're in town tonight and tomorrow night. It's Timothy B. Schmidt. Take it to the limit. Here, let's play a little more, a little more. That's Joe Walsh who used to live in an Austin singing. And Vince Gill. Yeah, okay, thank you so much, Garrett, for playing that. They'll be with Steely Dan tonight at the Moody Center playing a show tonight and tomorrow night. And it is a hot, hot ticket uh, at the Moody Center. Welcome back to the show. I'm Ed Clements. Jeff will be back uh, on Monday. He has been ill this week. And I'm, I'm kind of glad Jeff's not here because he would be very, very sad because the great Carl Weathers died today, Apollo Creed from Rocky, and also Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Shut up, Happy. Don't feel bad about me. I got my hand back, see? We've only just begun to live white lace and promises. A kiss for luck and we're on our way. And those knees. Remember now, it's all in the hips. You're doing great. That's Carl Weathers. All, in the hips. all right, when he discovered, can hit it over the highway. When Any he discovered takers? happy, here oh, we go. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. Carl Weathers uh, was 76. He's a former linebacker for the Los, uh, it was the Los Angeles uh, Raiders, LA Raiders, Oakland Raiders. Uh, dead today at the age of 76. He played. Uh, Apollo Creed in Rockies before he was killed in one of the episodes, one of the movies, but uh, part of uh, Rocky Balboa. And uh, just a really, apparently, a nice guy and a very, very great actor. So uh, beginning next week, Super Bowl coverage. Uh, Garrett and I have our early picks. Week out, we both like Kansas City. Kansas City getting two points from San Francisco. That may change a week from today, Garrett. Never can tell. It has to, right? It probably will. Yeah. And we don't know what shenanigans or what trouble will happen to both teams as they both spend almost a week in Las Vegas. Oh, my. Someone might get lost. Someone might get lost. 
Uh, remember the movie The Hangover? Uh, there oh, may yeah. be a team member that maybe maybe takes the place of The Hangover, <laughs> and uh, it's a long time to be in Las Vegas. Hey, tomorrow uh, I'll be at Dirty Martin's Place, 5 to 7, with our show on KLBJ Sports Saturday, the 15th Club, and the End Zone Club. We'll talk about golf, talk about football, and much, much more. Longhorns play at 1. Hook em horns tomorrow. Big game with Ra Ra TCU. Big national game, Houston. Uh, at Kansas. Gotta go. See you next week on 1027 ESPN. Jeff Ward and Ed Clements. Afternoons 4 to 6 on 1027 ESPN.